Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I'm your host, Brandon Laws, and I've got Zenium returning guest, Paige Tamlin. <laughs> yeah, Paige, <laughs> we are going to talk about Glassdoor's annual report they call the 50 HR and recruiting stats for 2019. I think I did one with Lacey last year, if I remember right, on the 2018 report. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to do a 2019 report, and they have a, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of similar <clears throat> stats that they had last year, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of different ones, and I want to cover a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I'm going to kick it off with a couple stats that I, th- I thought were interesting, and then I want you to dive into, because I know you highlighted a bunch of stuff that I probably can't speak to as well. So they have a section called Inside the Mind of Job Seekers, and they said that the top two pieces of information workers and job seekers look for when researching a company are salaries and benefits. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had, it must've been whatever survey population they had was 67% said salaries, 63% said benefits. So those are the top two reasons. Is that surprising to you? No, because here's, well, here's, I mean, it is anticlimactic. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's it. Um, I mean, it it is and it isn't because I always tell my clients, like when you're posting jobs, that's what people want to know. Is it like, at least are they in the ballpark of what your salary range is and what your benefits are? Because in the market that we're in now, people are not going to jump from one job to another for lesser salary and lesser benefits. Like it needs to at least be equivalent, if not better. So if you're not posting that stuff out, you're kind of like wasting your time. You're wasting yeah. their time. So it's like. But what's interesting is I see a lot of job postings out there, whether it's on LinkedIn or Glassdoor mm-hmm. or other job sites, and they don't have those things yeah. listed. Yeah. You almost have to go either deep into the application process or they don't even disclose it probably till the interview. Yeah. I don't know this firsthand because I haven't interviewed in like 10 years. So. Right. You've been here for a bit. <laughs> a so <million> million years. <laughs> lifer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't either. I've been here for almost six years, so I'm but pretty you, out of touch as well. But my but clients you, are, are, are dealing with yeah. this. And it's like I said, the market is so interesting right now that I feel like the less information that you put out in front of job candidates the less likely they are to like want to proceed with even exploring that at all because it's just, it's not, it's not going to work out with what they're in line with and what they're looking for. So otherwise they're like in interviews and then you're like, Oh, well here's the salary. And they're like, wow, that's 10 grand less that I make now. I'm not interested anymore. And without knowing that information, it kind of feels like bait and switch if you get yeah. later on in the process and yeah. that information is not disclosed whatsoever. Yeah. I'd be I'd be pretty frustrated as a candidate. So I, I get yeah. why, you know, if their basic needs are not going to be met with salary and benefits. Yeah. And you don't disclose that early on, then right. it's... I feel like the benefits piece, like as important as that is for people, there's a little bit of give and take with that, right? Like switching to a different carrier might not be a huge issue. If your 401k match is somewhat equivalent, like that's stuff that you can deal with. But the salary piece, like people are very, very sensitive to the amount of money that they make. And if you are messing with that, that's less likely that they're going to jump yeah. ship from one place to another. What do you think about like posting ranges or even yeah. just vague uh, benefits, like yeah. a list of stuff that... Yeah, if you're in a really yeah. competitive space and you don't want your competitors knowing like what you're offering because you're trying to keep that competitive edge, yeah. like I totally get not like releasing 100% of what everything you're offering. But I think at least a range for your salary is helpful. So they can at least say, okay, I'm right in the middle of that. That's great. And there's some room for me to grow or I'm right at the top of that. Is that really something that I want to pursue knowing that there's no real room for 
growth and improvement for that. So I think the range is helpful, at least some idea, just a bulleted list of like all the benefits you offer. Yeah, I like that. It's not going to take you more than a couple minutes to put in your job posting. I feel like it would make a huge impact. Yeah. So similarly uh, on this section of inside the mind of job seekers, they had the factors that contribute to workers and job seekers perception of long-term potential. And they had like four different stats here. So they said 44% uh, said transparency about pay and benefits. 39% said information about growth opportunities. Mm. 37% said knowledge of company promoting from within. 35% positive sentiments in employee reviews. So these are pretty interesting stats here. That These are public facing data points or um, language that people would look for in in determining whether it's a long-term fit or potential. Mm-hmm. What do you think about any of these? Anything stick out to you? The positive sentiments and employee reviews is interesting because it's, it's one thing for your managers and stuff to be posting reviews about your company on Glassdoor. It's a whole nother thing to see current employees, employees giving yeah. reviews or, yeah. you know, departing employees giving reviews. I think that that's really telling mm. and um, not to say that if your company's gone through a period of growth or something, not to say that things don't change, but I think that's really interesting. I think it's also interesting the the fact about the information about growth opportunities at 39%. Yeah. You know, succession planning and um, career pathing are all things that millennials and the next gen are really looking for. 100% agree. In so. fact, I, when I interviewed uh, the authors of Generation Z, the mm-hmm. uh, Century in the Making, mm-hmm. they had described how you know, the, the Gen Zers, they're, they're looking for growth opportunities They're And they all learn so differently too. Yeah. So I think the more clear employers can be about that yeah. early on in the, the process of recruiting and hiring, I think the more likely you're going to get that. Right. It depends on what uh, skill set you're looking for, obviously, but if you're going for that generation where mm-hmm. you know it's a newer technical position or something like that, then I think yeah. being very clear about growth opportunities is important. Mm-hmm. The, the point about the employee reviews is funny because I look at it, my, you know, my vantage point is a marketer, right? Like there's a way to manipulate using certain language. So what I would encourage people to look for there um, or, you know, for employers who are, are, are listening to this, it's got to be real. It's And I would look for storytelling, like very specifics, because if it's just a bunch of really positive reviews that are really generic again, you can manipulate that all day long. As a marketer, you can you can have language all day about how awesome your company is, but if you don't have true storytelling from a variety of people, it, it's easy to look past that. Yeah. I would like, actually look for a mixture of bad reviews too. <clears throat> like I always read the bad reviews, yeah, right? Like and and that's that's where the truth is, right? Is always in the bad stuff. Not always, so, not I always. feel but like you most a, often. If you have a balance, <laughs> no, well because people could vent sure, about their sure, situation. Sure, sure, you're always going to have the one really super disgruntled employee that leaves, but you also have people that leave for good reasons, yeah. right? Like, oh, I, you know, grew, they grew me into and so I left into a new position. And so I think that there's a lot of truth to, you know, people departing from, you know, positive or neutral or negative. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? I know you want, you have some stats that you want to talk about. So skip around or whatever you want to go to. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, um, so they had another section. It was called the candidate experience. And it was all kind of talking about stats of what people are looking for when they're experiencing interviewing with you and recruiting from your company. So 
I thought it was interesting. They said um, aspects on the job application process that job seekers or workers find most important to a positive experience were clear and regular communication, 58%, clear expectations, 53%, and feedback regarding rejection, 51%. And I can tell you like (laughs) more, and and I've been in a recruiting role and that hardest part is like rejecting people because it feels so personal. Okay. So you think about it from that vantage point. Like, are you responding to them are you saying like hey we went in a different direction or like thanks for your application like if it's early early on in the process it depends on how your process works and if you have like an applicant tracking system it's probably going to respond to everybody's resumes that come in and if they weren't selected for interview it's going to auto respond to them but i always tell my clients if you have interviewed with them they deserve like an like an actual phone call not an email not a letter like they deserve a phone call that says hey we're going in a different direction. We found somebody that has a skill set or that you know aligns yep. with our culture better. But it feels really hard because it feels like you're personally mm-hmm. rejecting this person. Like you weren't sort good of, enough, and yeah, that's and it's, it's true. Yeah. And it, it's it's not that that's what it is, but I feel like the more that you let your applicants just kind of like go into their own head about like why they were rejecting you. What, or you're going to make assumptions. what if you don't hear anything at all? I think that's, and that's, the that's worst. even worse. Yeah. And it's funny. I was scrolling through Twitter the other day. Like I think it was over the weekend. And I follow a lot of HR people, rightly so, like looking for ideas and content. And he just likes HR people. It's okay. I love you can HR just people. tell us. But it was funny how so many people were describing how shitty the candidate experience mm-hmm. is, where you know people won't even hear back yeah. from the employer at all about like what the status of their application is. Yeah, we're in a day and age now where there's automated tools where yeah. you can easily kick there's out no a response. Excuse. Like if you selected somebody else to, to move along in the process and others are left behind. Well, I would think a status change would allow an email to be kicked out to say, Hey, sorry, you didn't you yeah. know, meet the, meet our requirements. We went in a different direction. Right. Thank you so much for applying. Yeah. It seems it's, like it's it'd not be that hard. so easy to yeah. do that. And I think that if you have, like I said, an ATS system set up, it's probably going to do those things for you. But it's really like that in-person interview when you've made a connection with that person and you're you're going a different direction. And it's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Like that's what's best for your company. And eventually the applicant will understand that. But like you said, like hearing nothing is just like the worst. Like yeah. then they've put themselves out there. It's like going on a date, right? And then not hearing back from somebody. <laughs> They're like, what was wrong with me? Like, why was I? don't know what that's like. Do I don't you? know what that's like at all. I'm like one of the only single people here. At the Zenium, last time so. I dated was like a million years ago, like 15 years ago, I think. <laughs> I don't so know I can tell that. you from a dating perspective, right? Like, I always let people know yeah. if, if it's not going to work out. And I would hope that an employer that I was interviewing would do the same thing right it's just common courtesy so okay so question on that not necessarily the dating part (laughs) but like on just rejection in general like how specific do you get like for example let's say i had three candidates who all made it two interviews in maybe Mm -hmm. three interviews in and i'm I'm about to make my decision please don't make them do more than three interviews okay so let's say two interviews and i'm making the decision now (laughs) one interview and I made my decision. Mm-hmm. I'm going with one candidate and two are, are not going to get it. Sure. Uh, how specific do you get with them if they ask about why you didn't go with them? Yeah. And it depends on how open you've been with them through the interview process. So I kind of tell my clients like, hey, we're, you know, we're interviewing a couple people this week. So we're, you know, expecting her back from us next week. Like keep them up to date on yeah. what is going on and also kind of let them know like there's other people that need to be interviewed. Yeah. And then at that point, you can just say, you know, we were looking for somebody with this particular skill set. 
this particular quality. Yeah. So especially not if like you like, can't say like, oh, we didn't choose you because like you had a bad pr- attitude, protected class or something <laughs> right. like you're pregnant or you're, yeah, uh, no, please don't do that. Or, yeah. So don't do that. No, I think it's, <laughs> it's based on skill set, And sometimes it truly is based if you, especially if you do like team interviews, if, especially if it's a really small team yeah. and then you want the whole team to interview with them, like, the team just, you know, kind of like bonded and had a better, you know, kind of like working chemistry mm, mm-hmm. with, with somebody else. And I think that that's then it's nothing that's yeah. against them. It just like, and they probably felt it too. It's kind of hard right? to be specific like, about that. It's yeah. Like, eh, it's just a feeling. It's, it's a like, feeling. Uh, and sometimes yeah. that is how it is, right? Like not often in this day and age are there people that have such a vast different skill set. Yeah. Especially if you're in a particularly, you know, refined industry. Yep. So a lot of them all have the same credentials the same experience the same education level so sometimes it is feeling okay they have a section on diversity inclusion and belonging i know you had some thoughts about some of these stats go for it i thought it was really interesting this one is like in bold so obviously they were really interested by this as well (laughs) says 40 percent of workers across generations and genders feel socially excluded or ignored at work wow 40 percent that is just like mind boggling to me. I guess like, when you add two of those, like, so the generations and then genders, mm-hmm. when you add those two, maybe that's why it's so high, but it's, it's still concerning. And so like, as an employer looking at the stat, I would think, or especially if you're, if you're managing a team, it's like, how mm-hmm. do we build inclusivity? So is that a word? Yeah. Whatever. You got it. <laughs> I, I got it. Okay. I, English is hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hard. It's really early, guys. So co- why am I a podcaster? Uh, so like building inclusivity between the, the teams or the organization yeah. across gender, race, all all that is so important. And when I think a lot of times we so heavily focus on generation right now because it's what's kind of prominent in the workplace. There's lots of different generations in the workplace or entering the workplace. But we forget about things like gender. We forget about other things other than just generation. So it was interesting they lumped these into, you know, these yeah, two I'm things the into one. So I'd be curious about what the generational stat was and what the the gender stat was. It came actually from an outside source. I'm looking at it mm-hmm. down below there. So I'd be interested to see what they actually each were individually. But yeah. I think it's still shocking, like that 40% of people, because everybody can be lumped into one generation. Absolutely. So Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point you made about like the the uh, references to the, some of the stats. So mm-hmm. we're just same percentages and it's like as a pot like in a podcast it's kind of hard to listen and say oh 40 percent of what you know right so in this report obviously very extensive they have all the cited stats and sources and where they mm-hmm. get the survey data some of it came just from their website some of it came from outside research so mm-hmm. just wanted to point that out yeah what else from this section uh, I thought it was interesting. They said companies and top tier for racially and culturally diverse executive teams were 33% more likely to experience above average profitability than companies in the bottom tier. Wow. That seems like a hard research project to figure that out. So you'd have to almost like analyze. Analyze okay, profitability, uh, analyze yeah. what, what diversity their, their executive team yeah. was. And then compare those who had a like less a, diverse executive team to their and their profitability yeah. to ones that were more. And it just goes back to the diversifying your workplace. It's going to bring more ideas and more. That's what I would think. Yeah, more openness to yeah. to different you know viewpoints. So, thirty three percent profitability, guys. That's a there you striking go. <laughs> task. Yeah, that, I love that stat. Yeah. So. There, there you go. Bring more um, racially diverse, culturally diverse, different genders into the executive yeah. team. I think that's only going to benefit you. And don't make them feel ignored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Did you highlight anything else from that section? Oh, I had this one. This was so interesting because oh, I am of this generation. So, I love so, millennial so my, stuff. I'm on the yeah. What's the so, Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. So when we talk about millennials, it's 18 to 34 ages. So they're saying 20% of millennials identify as LGBTQ. Mind blown. 20%. I never would have thought that. And that's those that identify as yeah. that. So there's probably still a good portion of people that just are, or, you know, maybe don't quite identify as that yeah. yet, but just don't necessarily fit into the norm of, you know, male, female gender. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a huge amount of people that probably feel misunderstood and probably don't feel heard. And it's just interesting. It says it's a notable increase from 12% of Gen Xers. Those are um, ages 35 to 53. And only 7% of baby boomers identify as LGBTQ, which wow. is ages 52 to 71. So I don't even it's know only going to that. keep increasing. Yeah, yeah. So Incredible. Yeah. It's nice that people, I think people are talking about it more. So they, mm-hmm. that maybe they're more comfortable identifying mm-hmm. within that group. Whereas before, not so comfortable because right. it was a very taboo subject. Uh, now it's so nice that people are talking about it. Employers are allowing people to talk about it. it it's, mm-hmm. um, I have a feeling that number is going to rise. Yes, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting stat. Yeah. Okay. So let's end. Um, they have a section on market dyna- marketplace dynamics. And this is really talking about the movement just based on developments in technology, the business climate, and just the way people are, uh, employers are hiring. So they had, um, a research team at Glassdoor investigated different areas, and uh, I highlighted a few things that were really interesting to me. Uh, so they said more than seventy percent of job applications are to jobs in the same metro area, while twenty-eight point five of job applications are to a new metro area. So twenty-eight point five are willing to mm-hmm. move, whereas mm-hmm. most people are just. Uh, applying in the same right. metro area. What do you attribute that to? It seems, the 28.5 seems actually like a high number to me. See, to me, it doesn't. Yeah, so you're more so, likely to move. I think it, it depends on your industry, yeah. right? Like Portland has been experiencing this huge tech boom. And so I've seen a lot of you know applicants come in and come out of Portland. But I think it's, it's worth it for me to say, because I see this all the time when I'm looking at resumes. When I see somebody that's applied from out of state, yeah. I wonder why they're applying. So it's helpful to kind of note like why you're looking to relocate because otherwise I think that you've just applied for it just to apply for something mm-hmm. or you might, you know what I mean? Especially depending on the job, if it's an entry level position and you've applied from like yeah. Midwest somewhere and it's here in Portland, I'm just, I'm curious as to why. So for applicants out there, if you are looking for jobs in other cities other states other countries wherever please note like why you're looking to like move because otherwise it's just super confusing to me so that's a good point looking to relocate because my family is is in this state or um you know looking to relocate to this area it's just just something because otherwise i just i don't know why yeah. you're applying it's so there was another hope st- your recruiters out there's another stat that was so bizarre to me it says having and this may be a little self-serving on glass doors part i think it's a little bit okay, self-serving, so we'll, but it's we'll, okay i'll say it anyways because <laughs> they, they provided some good value here yeah. so we'll give them some love it says having a one star higher overall rating on Glassdoor attracts talent to a company in a new metro area at about six times the rate of paying a ten thousand dollar per year higher salary mm. so 
the way I read that, it's kind of a confusing stat, but the yeah. way I read it is if you have a higher rating on average on Glassdoor, mm-hmm. you're more likely to attract somebody into a new metro area than just throwing money at them. Yeah. Is that how you read that? Yeah, I did too. And I, I think the reason is, is that sometimes if you're just throwing money at a situation and it's a bad environment, like people can sense that, right? Like if you have horrible reviews from people yeah. all over your, your glass door page, but you're willing to pay a really high salary, yeah. like it's pretty telling, like I can kind of figure <laughs> out what you're doing. But if you have some, you know, like really good reviews, you have some like neutral reviews, but you know, it's kind of mixed, but you have a, a better rating, let's say you than your competitor. Yeah. You're probably going to have some sort of an edge, you yeah. know, than the other person that might be looking at a job. So, okay. So, give me your, your parting thoughts on, on this report and just the overall world of HR recruiting uh, in 2019. Like, what, what would you say? It's a big question. It's a huge question. But I think, <laughs> like, if you're, if, if there's a big trend that kind of sticks out to you just in your experience or something you read from this, what, like, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was an interesting report. If you guys haven't checked it out, we'll put the the link in um, here for you to take a look at it. I thought it was an interesting report, had some good data points in there, especially for those out there who know that they're going to be recruiting quite a bit this year. But I would say, you know, transparency and and making sure your employer brand is out there because that's still what people are looking for and making sure you're just true to who you are. And let me take it one step further. So I love that. Because I think attracting those people through mm-hmm. the employer brand is really important. Mm-hmm. But I think the second phase of that is the candidate experience. Mm-hmm. And they did talk about that in here. Yeah. Just from what I know. and, and We could do a whole other podcast on seriously. candidate experience. In fact, we, we should, should. We actually. probably should. Let's, Let's do, do that. that. I'll, I'll we'll research. book that after. Don't worry, yeah, guys. We will. It's coming. <laughs> this, this is phase one here. Uh, so I agree. I think it's th- those are good, good yeah. points. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paige, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having this me. This was a lot of fun. And we'll have you back soon. Thank you.